Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I'm the founder and CEO of Mara Poling. Happy to be with you again this week for a topic that is somewhat in the news right now. I actually read an article about this this week, and I thought it might be an interesting idea for us to discuss. And that is prosperity or a good night's sleep. You know, there's a adage out there about putting your money into stocks in order to prosper, or you put your money in bonds to sleep well. Well, is that it? Is it really that black and white of a question, either or? I don't think so. And I think we can learn something by diving into each of those options and then looking at how multifamily might perform in those same areas. That's what we're going to talk about this week. As always, I appreciate your input. Feel free to shoot me an email, pat at marapoling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. If you have any questions, I'd be more than happy to chat with you. You can send me an email or you can go on the website, marapoling.com and find a little button to click on and schedule some time on my calendar. And then we can chat about whatever it is you might be interested in speaking about, whether you have an individual portfolio of residential assets that you are managing, or if you are a um, passive investor with a sponsor, or if you're one of our clients, then I'm always happy to chat. All right, so let's dive in here. As I said, I was flipping around this last week and I ran across an article that essentially made the argument that uh, if you wanna make money, you invest in stocks. And if you wanna have a good night's sleep, you invest in bonds and that's where you put your money. Um, and the article went into some great depth and really did explore it, I think, quite well. Uh, the, the author did a good job. Uh, and, and this is a topic you can find out there quite a bit if you, if you uh, go hunting on the Google, right? Um, but it did raise a thought in my mind, and that is that often in the investment world, those two ideas, investing for prosperity or investing conservatively, investing for low risk, are actually in opposition to each other. And I thought that would be a good topic for us to explore this week. So let's begin by diving into a little more about each of those two options, about stocks or equities, whatever the term is you wanna use for them, and then about bonds or fixed income investments. So stocks are a great way for you to get your money in play and to support the growth of the economy. When we buy stocks, and I own stocks, just like my guess is almost all, if not all of you, when we buy stocks, we're putting our money into an organization that's gonna use it and put it to work to grow their capabilities, to grow revenues, to hire new staff, to build new plants, buy new equipment, whatever it might happen to be, and that's gonna cause them to grow. And as they grow and become more successful, that will create 
increased value for us, right? So I can buy a share of stock for $100 and over time it'll grow to be 110 or 120 or 130 and so on and so on. That is the nature of investing in equities is I'm putting capital in play. Now, when that capital is put in play, there's risk. Those are the first dollars. If there's ever a downturn, if one of those businesses has a problem, the first dollars that get lost are those equity dollars. It's that capital that's been invested that way. Debt is senior to all of that. Debt is more protected. So when you're investing in the stock market, you're saying, I'm willing to take on a degree of risk in order to achieve this kind of return. And when you invest in stocks, you can do it in many, many different ways. And many of those are uh, methods and strategies that can help you reduce risk. So you could invest in a group of stocks as opposed to one stock. You could invest in a series of investment funds, mutual funds. You could buy index funds that are meant to track, for example, the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ or whatever it might happen to be. And those are ways that you can lower your risk. And the general philosophy is when you do that, when you diversify like that, you also reduce the likelihood that you're going to have a large upside event. So you're giving away a little bit of upside to have some more protection. That's a common thread through the investment world is that um, high risk, high reward. Um, if I want to get a high reward, I've got to be willing to take on that high risk. In general, equities perform in the high single digits, low double digits historically over time. It's a really great track record. And as a long-term investment strategy, equities make a lot of sense. On any given day, equities can be up or down or flat, and some of that movement can be rather volatile. That's one of the challenges when you invest in the equities markets is there's a lot of volatility. Volatility is not bad. As I said, they could be up, right? So they could be up 20% one day. That's a lot of volatility. That's quite favorable volatility. We'd all probably like that. But that also means they could swing down 20% the very next day. So volatility isn't a good or bad thing. It simply is a measure of how much movement there is in the value of that particular investment. Now, if you're an investor and that's scary, or when you're talking to your investment advisor, they may very well say, especially as you mature, you ought to have more money in bonds, in these fixed income instruments. They're safer. And what they mean by safer is they don't move around as much. There's not as much volatility. Bonds are pretty stable. They're dependable. Remember, as I said, if something happens, if there's an event that occurs inside one of these organizations, the first dollars that get lost are those equity dollars. The dollars that are senior to those, that's debt. That's the bond side of the equation. So there's a greater degree of protection. 
Is it complete? No, it's not. But there's a lot less risk in the bond world than there is in the equity world in terms of loss of principle. There is another kind of risk, and that is there's a risk relative to uh, the rate of return. Bonds are going to have a more modest rate of return, something in the single digit range. Uh, back in the old days of uh, the roaring junk bond days, you could have double digit bond returns. Uh, they were highly risky. They weren't bonds in the way that we're talking about them today. So single digits, 5%, um, 6% was not terribly uncommon. These days, you're probably talking low single digits, right? Two, three, 4%. Uh, and there's various flavors, right? There's municipal bonds, there's bonds that have some tax-free components to them. Uh, lots of different ways that you can play in the bond game and in other fixed income instruments, right? So those would be uh, maybe mortgages. Mortgages have a little more risk, but you're still gonna be earning something in the maybe mid single digits, uh, higher single digits, something along those lines. So, Bonds are a great place to put your money if risk is an issue. If you want growth, put your money in stocks, put your money in equities. That's the idea behind this, invest in stocks to prosper, invest in bonds to sleep well at night. Well, we are big advocates at Mara Polling of everyone having some multifamily real estate in their portfolio. And that's true. Obviously, we would love to have you work with us if that's something that made sense for you. But we think that's true however you go about doing that, whether you invest with another sponsor that's out there or whether you go build your own portfolio or work with some family or friends and you buy a small apartment building where you simply buy a small condominium unit and you begin by renting that out. However it is that you can get in on the multifamily investment space, we certainly encourage folks to do that for a variety of reasons. One, we just have a lot of confidence in this, in this uh, piece of the real estate investment world. And we've talked about that quite a bit before. That's not what we're going to go into today, the supply demand imbalance and all the other things that really drive multifamily. What we do want to talk about, though, is how multifamily as a diversified portion of your portfolio, as, a, as an element that helps expand the strength of your overall portfolio. So this does not mean that we're suggesting that multifamily should replace stocks or it should replace bonds, that you shouldn't have those other components. A healthy diversified portfolio has a lot of different elements in it. There's some stocks, different flavors and sizes, there's bonds, fixed income instruments, corporate bonds, government bonds, a few other kinds of things. There's some commodities, there's some cash, there's probably some gold. Uh, and we absolutely think there ought to be some real estate and that at least some of that should be commercial multifamily real estate. And here's why. So let's go back and look at the same characteristics that we just talked about relative to stocks and then bonds. And let's talk about how multifamily fits into that space. So when you invest in uh, an equity, in a stock, you're putting money into a business and they're gonna use that to grow and become successful. When you invest in multifamily, you're doing the same thing. Your money is going in to buy that 
piece of property. And is there a risk associated with it? Yes, there is. It's the exact same structural risk that you see when you invest in a stock. If something happens to that investment, the first money that gets lost is that equity that's been invested. So yes, there's risk there. However, the risk is different. And that's because we're not talking about owning a share of stock in some business that provides um, luxury items or some kind of service or you know a variety of different things. We're talking about investing in a business because that's what you are investing in when you buy an apartment building or an individual rental unit. That business is the business of providing shelter and food and shelter are about as basic and essential as you can get. People, when times get tough, will make all sorts of decisions about how they will uh, get around town, what kind of transportation they'll have, the, uh, whether they'll have uh, certain entertainment uh, devices, do they keep their cable TV package, uh, how fancy a telephone do they have, do they take a summer vacation. Generally speaking, they're not going to make a decision about, I'm going to voluntarily move out of my home and go live in my car, right? People are going to need shelter and we're in the shelter business. That's one of the things that makes multifamily so resilient. And yet we have that same opportunity that a stock does to grow in value. We can create wealth in particular by driving the growth of income net operating income, right? Our bottom line, as we grow that, we not only generate more cash, which we'll talk about in a minute relative to bonds, but we also increase the value of the asset. And as we increase the value of the asset, that equity growth falls back to those equity investors, right? That's how they get their return. Dependability which is supposed to be something you only get with bonds is something you also get though with multifamily because of the nature of the kind of product we provide, right? That this is the ultimate subscription service, right? Everybody wants to be in the subscription business today. Nobody wants to sell a product. Everyone wants to sell their product as a service so that they can get recurring revenue out of it. Well, that's what an apartment lease is. It's recurring revenue. Someone signs a lease and agrees to pay us $1,000 a month to live in that unit. And we get that revenue stream for that entire year. And then at the end of the year, that $1,000 becomes 1,030 or 50 or 1,080, whatever it moves up to. And it might be with that same tenant or it might be with a tenant that moves in and replaces them should they decide to move on. But it is extremely dependable. When you look at, for example, occupancy rates right now in the multifamily industry, they are quite high. Uh, we certainly expect that they'll pull back a little bit, but we're still talking about a very dependable revenue stream. We don't see volatility in multifamily like you might see in other business sectors. That uh, dependability comes from the fact that we have these tenants that sign leases for an extended period of time for a, for a year. These are not month to month leases. This is not hospitality where somebody's staying with us for a few nights. So we're getting that um, stability. 
but we're also getting better cash returns than the bond market, right? So the bonds, their claim to fame is we are more dependable, we are more stable. Well, when you look at an analysis of the volatility of stocks and bonds, and then look at multifamily real estate, what you will see is that multifamily real estate demonstrates the same level of stability as corporate and government bonds, meaning that we're not going to be way up one day or way down the next, which makes a lot of sense if you think about it. Our value comes from net operating income. Our net operating income doesn't swing wildly from day to day or week to week or even month to month. It grows or stabilizes or declines, if that's what's going on at that asset, over a course of time. And in general, you'll see a fairly nice, steady climb. As that happens, we'll get this very stable, long-term growth. But NOI doesn't just grow the value of the asset. That's one of the primary things it does. But NOI is the primary tool for driving cash flow. And as NOI grows, we get continually increasing levels of cash. You don't get that with a bond, right? When you go buy a $1,000 bond, if it's got a 6% um, coupon, you're going to get $60 a year. You're going to get your five bucks a month. If three or four years from now, that bond is invested in an organization that's doing really well, you're not getting any more. It's just a stable payment that you're receiving. Whereas if that money was in a multifamily investment that was originally paying 6%, it might grow to six and a half or seven or seven and a half and eight. Now, something that you won't experience with either of those, and this is one of the key reasons that we are really, as I said, strong advocates for everyone getting some multifamily real estate in their portfolio in some intelligent manner, whatever makes sense for, for each of you, is you can get growth, you can get wealth creation that's on par and, and we think in many instances better than what you can get in the equity markets in the stock market. And that you can have stability that's on par with the bond markets. But you're also going to be getting tax advantages that you simply cannot get in those other investment vehicles. When you have a stock that grows in value from $100 to $150 and you go to sell it, you're gonna make $50. And depending upon where you live, you're gonna pay 10 or 20 or $25 of that in tax. So you're not gonna have $150 to buy another stock. You're gonna have $140 or $135 or $130. And every time you make that trade, you kind of get hit back a little bit. So it's maybe three or four steps forward and a step back. Is that huge? Well, no, it's not huge. And that's one reason why everybody probably should have some stocks. But it's not the same as what you can do in real estate, which is if you had a $100 investment in real estate that grew to $150, you could then sell that asset and reinvest the entire $150 and skip the tax man that trip around the board. Now, eventually, the taxes get paid. This is all just about deferral. 
But deferral of taxes is really valuable, and here's why. It's valuable because that means the money that would have been paid in tax, in the example I just used, say $20, that $20, instead of having to pay it in tax at that time, that money went to buy a larger investment. And that larger investment was able to perform better. It still had the same basic performance characteristics, but you've got more money invested in it. So you're going to see a larger dollar return. And you could do that again and again. Now, eventually, that chain gets broken and the tax gets paid. That $20 eventually gets paid. But by then, that $20 has made $30 or $40 or $50 or even $100 by having been invested. And you don't have that opportunity when you're invested in stocks or in bonds. This is one of the primary reasons that we believe multifamily real estate allows you to invest for prosperity and get a good night's sleep. The key to all of that is time. That does not work if you're looking to make investments and flip those dollars in six months or 12 months or even two years or three years. This is a strategy that works over time. And regardless of what age you are, whether you are 25 years old, and if you are, congratulations. I'm, I'm very happy for you that you're paying uh, this kind of attention to your investment life. Uh, and it's a great time to get started because you have a 50 or 60 year investment horizon in front of you. And for those of you that are 70 years old, uh, you have an investment horizon in front of you and you have the opportunity to potentially do some multi-generational investing. And real estate is a great tool to be able to do those things. And for all of you that fall somewhere along uh, the spectrum in between those two, real estate is a great opportunity to build prosperity you simply need to do it over time. And by doing it over time, that actually continues to improve upon the stability and dependability of the investment because whatever volatility there is, it gets smoothed out the longer you're in that investment. Now, I'm not advocating being in one piece of property for 10 or 15 or 20 years, although there's nothing wrong with that strategy and many do employ that. What we're advocating is being in multifamily for 10 years, for 15 years, for 20 years. And to do that by virtue of making an investment, and then when the time is right, and there are a number of triggers, you can go back and listen to some of our episodes about when is the right time to sell, when's the right time to trade. When the time is right to go ahead and sell that asset, to take advantage of the elements in the tax code that incent us to keep our money invested in real estate infrastructure, because that's of great value to the community that we all live in, which is the 1031, and to do that tax deferral. And when you do that tax deferral, you take that asset and you turn it into a larger asset, and then you do it again, and then you do it again. And over the course of 20 years, you could take $100, and make it $200 and make it $400 and make it $800. Or you could do that with $1,000 or with $10,000 or with $100,000 or with a million dollars, whatever the number is. And I'm not talking about doing that with extremely risky investments. We're talking about very 
stable class B kinds of assets like we're talking about. Now, this is not, again, a pitch for come work with Mara Poling. If you're interested in talking to us, obviously I'm happy to chat with you about it. What I'm encouraging you to do is if you're not in multifamily and the notion of I'd really, I'd really like to have more prosperity. I'd really like to build my wealth, but boy, I, I don't want to take on a lot of risk. That scares me. Then it isn't an all or nothing question. It isn't either put your money in stocks and be risky or put your money in bonds and sleep well at night, but don't make any return. There are other vehicles that you can invest in and multifamily is absolutely one of the ones you should be taking a look at. If you have more questions about this, in particular, if you have your own portfolio or you're looking at making an investment with a sponsor, now we don't comment on investments for with other sponsors, right? That's, that's their business. You should be talking to them about it. But if you'd like to talk about just the uh, process of making a passive investment and learn more about how that works, again, I'm happy to chat with you uh, and help you give some, uh, some thought to this. Uh, for those of you that have already taken the plunge and are in the multifamily real estate investment space, good for you and congratulations. Uh, and I wish you continued success because I'm quite confident you've had success already. And for those of you that are not there yet, continue your educational process. When you get to the place that it's time for you, and you'll know when that is, then pull that uh, trigger and go uh, go get into the game. Uh, it will be a good decision for you. I have that kind of uh, kind of confidence. If you'd like to learn more about some of the items that I mentioned, right? So I talked about 1031s and when's the right time to sell uh, and uh, diversification of portfolios. We've got a lot of great content. You can find it in past podcast episodes. You can also go to the Learning Center at marapolling.com. There's great content there uh, that you can find that will help you uh, continue your education through this whole process. And as I said, if you have any questions, I'm happy to chat with you, pat at marapolling.com. All right. I hope you enjoyed this week's session. Have a very happy Thanksgiving. And join me next week for another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Poling.